Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. We are joined by uh, Dean McGuinness, Fanula Jones and Esther McCarthy. Good afternoon to you all. Hi, Sean. Yeah, you're all there. I... Funny if I could hear Esther, but I couldn't hear you, Fanula. Which oh, is kind of so weird. Quiet. You're just there. Sorry, just lingering. <laughs> just lingering there. Right, I'll start with you, Esther, because I, I know nothing about these two films. Though, is is Deadly Cuts the uh, an Irish one? Have I seen it on the sides of buses? Yes, you have. Bearing the fantastic tagline, No Time to Die, D-Y-E. Yes. <laughs> so, these, so these are the Dublin hairdressers who are making... Uh, it claimed that they're ready to take on James Bond at the box office this weekend. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun, this one. It's a, kind of a crime heist hairdresser, foul-mouthed, Roddy Doyle-influenced uh, comedy set in Dublin. It's at a working-class hairdressing salon. Um, and the, the hairdressers are being targeted by this nasty local criminal um, who they decide to take matters into their own hands with using their uh, scissors and other hairdressing appliances. So that's kind of what it is. It's also a film about about community, I think, um, and the value of community and the banter between these women and their customers. Um, Written and directed by a first-time feature maker, but a very experienced filmmaker uh, because she's come through um, the advertising industry. And that is a woman by the name of Rachel Carey. Uh, this has been playing very well. I'm hearing audiences are a, a delighted to be, be back at the cinema and be having a good laugh at this one. Right. Um, it, it, definitely it, kind of a nod to the Roddy Doyle films that we all grew up with, I think. Uh, is it a brave stroke suicidal to be putting it out at the same time as the Bond movies? I don't know. You always need to have a bit of counter-programming, I think. Um, and Bond certainly hoovered up the box office last week. Uh but and there is a bit of a lull this week, and, and there will be for a couple of weeks. But there's a lot of big movies coming in October as well. We've got June coming up, the Dennis Villeneuve feature. Mm. Uh, we've got uh, the, the the God, I can't remember the name, but the one that was shot here with Matt Damon and the bag of cans, the right. last jewel, uh, yeah. the last jewel. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's coming up next week. So I've seen that actually, and it's really strong. It's really good. So a lot of big epic movies coming up in the in the next few weeks or so. Right. Um, a lot of them, of course, moved from because of the the extraordinary year we've had. Um, but I'm delighted to say there's a Steven Soderbergh sneaking its way onto Sky Cinema this weekend as well, uh, and and it's also available on Now TV if you have that. Um, and it's really, really good. Uh, no sudden move. It'll be on on those platforms from Saturday. Um, you know, the, the likes of Christopher Nolan like to big themselves up as the, the hottest director ever of their time. Of the, and I've been kind of just looking. There's Steven Soderbergh, like, c- quietly blowing it out of the park in nearly every film he made. From Aaron Brockovich to Magic Mike uh, to Contagion, I know a lot of people have watched in the last year. Uh, Sex, Lies and Videotape. Yeah. I mean, he's just one of those filmmakers who ostensibly never does the same thing twice. But he loves a hustle. The Oceans movies showed us he loves a hustle. He loves a ruse. Logan, Logan Lucky showed us he loves a little heist as well, a low-level heist, which happened. Actually, if you haven't seen Logan Lucky, it's one of my favourite films of the last 10 years. It's a wonderful film. Um, and here he's low-level heisting again with uh, the assistance of Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro. This is great. He's got a great cast here. Uh, David Harbour, John Hamm and Brendan Fraser as well. You know there's something special coming. 
Okay. The script is brilliant in this one. It was the first, one of the first movies to get made in the US uh, post uh, lockdown number one. So it is kind of a more intimate. And I know some people are worried about us getting a flurry of films like that in the coming months, that they'll all be like two people in a room talking at each other. Uh, I think what his flair shows here, he makes it look so easy, Soderbergh, though. He just, you, he's so good and you don't even notice it half the time. Um, is he's given us a character-driven drama uh, set in the 1950s in Detroit uh, revolving around a kind of a scandal involving General Motors. So this had everything for me. I loved this before I started to watch it and it, and it didn't let me down. Uh, and it is great that only in Ireland you could say, you know, Matt Damon bag of cans and people would know what movie you're referring to. <laughs> uh, we should, we should relish young. that about ourselves, really. That is, that, that is great. So I'm, uh, doing, I'm doing a press conference for for the last duel tomorrow and I'm asking him about those cans that's the question right he'll, he'll okay. know once he hears the Irish accent <laughs> what, what was in the cans uh, right so uh, and so are we getting in a, are we being a bit previous talking about Halloween beers already we, we, well yeah I, I, I think at this time of the year it's important to avoid the C word um, again, <laughs> oh right yeah <laughs> you really don't want to hear people saying Christmas on the radio at this time of the year but... even though they just did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're coming into Halloween and we've got a few beers here a few weeks away from Halloween but uh, time to get ready for it we've got a beer brewed with pumpkin a pumpkin ale it's a style that has become really popular in the States Um, a very unusual beer it is a wild fermented beer uh, brewed from a yeast that has been harvested from the site of the original Samhain Festival in uh, Ireland Okay. and uh, what they've done is they've uh, literally taken a swab off a blackberry grown up the yeast from that it's a completely unique yeast it was sent to Sweden and it's not on the database that they have in Sweden of yeast so it's um, very unusual very different as uh, so they've done a kind of a farmhouse ale style uh, beer with that and and then we've got a beer with coconut as our third beer, a toasted coconut stout. OK, coconut doesn't sound very Halloween-y. Halloween really. coconut, big time Halloween, yeah. Uh, no, you don't have coconut in, Halloween. Sure, OK, I'll in defend Jamaica, you. In Jamaica. Shot in the on your side, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Do you say so? <laughs> Maybe a, a, like a few bounties in the, in the bag by the front door. Uh, that'll be about uh, uh, the height of it. And uh, a Fanula slot really should be renamed Flogging It to Death uh, because every every week it's a litany of trash that's mm. being remade. So, well, not necessarily trash, but, you know, that kind of depressing, no one's got any new ideas anymore. So let's do a couple of them. Uh, Ugly Betty. This one I am excited for because I loved Ugly Betty. So mm. this is a reboot that I will allow. Um, apparently it is in the works. Uh, Eric Mabius, who played Daniel in the series, Pink has kind of let slip a lot of things about the series that he maybe wasn't supposed to. He did an interview with TV Tonight where he said, something is being discussed, but I'm not at liberty to say. Um, The series obviously had a very abrupt ending. um, And he said, I think we all felt that we didn't have enough time to finish telling the stories that needed to be told. Why was this? I mean, I know, obviously, but why was there an abrupt ending? Why was there an abrupt ending? I I think it was, I think there was cast issues. Like, I think as well, like, America Ferrara, obviously she was like the lead, she was Betty. Mm. Um, She kind of, her star kind of ascended and she's obviously gone on to do other things I don't know did they all think this was going to be the launch platform for them I don't know if it necessarily was for a lot of them obviously she went on to do Superstore and that's kind of found a new lease of life with it being on Netflix but again I'm pretty sure that's on its last season or 
the last right, season has just okay. come out. So I think it was that. And but to be honest, I don't so think So she's come crawling <laughs> yeah, back. I think I think there's an element of that, but also to be honest, I think the ratings kind of tanked after and like from a pure quality perspective as someone who watched it, like it kinda tanked after maybe I can't remember how many seasons it actually ran up to in the end. But after at least kind of the the start of three, it wasn't that good anymore. So mm. I don't know. I w- I'd like to see them come back with this and maybe take a fresh spin on it. But I don't know how. I don't know what that looks like in my head, to be honest. But yeah. I love the like those initial series were gold so good and they were so good in their own characters I thought so is there any indications where they're just going to like it's going to be like the the shower scene in Dallas where they're just going to pretend there wasn't a huge gap in between or or are they are they coming back sometime later kind of thing? he hasn't said but it seems like a lot of the original people are coming back so I would imagine time will tell yeah. I would like I, <laughs> a I, week I... later everyone's five years old <laughs> It's like nothing ever happened. <laughs> yes, and uh, Sex in the City. They have uh, they have a release date. Presumably, they have to have it before the the, the principals die. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's coming in December. It's coming HBO Max. We'll probably get it over here on the likes oh, of now or not Sky going Atlantic to or whatever. Oh. No, because it's a series. Oh, it's I a thought movie, it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and, so, and just like that is what the series is called, and it follows them in their fifties. Um, Samantha's obviously uh, not a part of it. Kim Cattrall was like, "See ya," um, but it's all the rest of them, as we mentioned before. So it's Cynthia Nixon. And, uh, Kristen Davis and obviously uh, Carrie Bradshaw who's played by Sarah Jessica Parker forgot her name there and all the usuals as well like Chris Knotts is coming back um, as Mr. Big obviously um, uh, Willie Garson is in it he had reprised his role as Stanford Blatchett obviously he sadly passed away earlier this month um, fans seem to be like chomping at the bit for this I'm nervous I'm very nervous to see what they've done with the story but again we've talked about this so many times on the show this is purely for the hardcores they're going to watch it even if they are hate watching it even if they think the plots are totally terrible and I think the whole thing is that Carrie's gone away from journalism and she's doing like a podcast now and she's going to have these well, guests just on that's the same yeah, thing basically pretty much um, and they're kind of challenging her on her like older views that kind of maybe didn't age well with the show so yeah, yeah. that would be interesting mm. well maybe I suppose if the original audience would be, who would be that bit older themselves yeah, maybe there might you know there would be something because it's it's a you know it's a, it's a bunch of people in their fifties. If now. you're challenging them as well, yeah, yeah I, I do think and, I know, do the think there's something moved in that. on. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Oh, good. It'd be, it'd be really fun if like they all get cancelled yeah. at various points. Oh no, I think Carrie is yeah. going to be cancelled in this. Like, I oh, think is that's, she? All right. I would not be surprised. Like, I'd put money on it now if anyone's listening. Okay, but you know, we, you know, we live in such a literal universe. Even if it happens in a fictional thing, it's it'll start happening yeah. for, for real. Yeah, yeah, oh, probably. God. <laughs> The uh, the uh, De- says uh, on the evidence of the trailer, Deadly Cuts looks like a film that's trying too hard to be a Roddy Doyle movie. Well, uh, we'll find out about that. Uh, Mal says I missed Esther's verdict on Bond last week. Heading to see it tonight. Is it any good, or should I temper my excitement? I I haven't seen it. Sharping, take a breath. I know, but I have a good excuse. I was in hospital. <laughs> The day of the press. Now you're in okay. hospital, the town in County Limerick, uh, uh, visiting the rather <laughs> nice ruins there. I was trying my own James Bond sound out the back garden. I was trying to be a Bond girl, and I had a really stupid fall and landed on my head. And um, how the hell later, were you? How high were you jumping that you landed <laughs> on your head? It's really stupid. Like, okay, I was putting bananas into the recycling bin and I fell over something. Like, it's the most boring accident ever. There was a loose brick. I didn't see it. And off I went. Um, 
Daniel Craig and landing on my head. Did you, when you went into later, hospital, did you have to? They have to say like, what did you do? And you said I was putting bananas. It was a, a fatal banana. I, I just accident. looked at the doctor. I just looked at the doctor and said, you should see the other girl. <laughs> by then, <laughs> by then I was covered in bruising, but the bruising had come up really late, so I thought it was a bleed to my brain, basically. Oh god! So I was in casualty like three days after the fall because there was no bruising the day after it was just really weird what happened right so um okay yeah. doesn't really answer mal's question but uh, <laughs> it doesn't really answer no. the question uh, my it? my impression is most of the most of the reviews have been pretty good uh actually i'm hearing it. i'm hearing only good things actually I, yeah. I didn't catch serena's review last week i i think she enjoyed it though i'm sure um well she said I, she stayed awake through it uh, <laughs> which for her is a raving endorsement it's that's actually like that's one of the best um, reviews I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, but, uh, the the movie review community in Dublin are, are well attuned to hearing Serena snores, <clears throat> especially particularly some tender way, moment in a film. It's all the way she gushes, gushes so much. Yes. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't read an out and out bad review for it. I've read yeah. some criticisms, maybe of the baddies and stuff like that. Uh, but for obvious reasons, I haven't been reading too many of them either. Yeah, indeed. I, uh, years ago, um, when I worked for the RTE television, uh, uh, the show I did, they, they had this um, uh, magician on. Now, I think he was only starting out. That's how we got him anyway. And uh, he had this trick where he had this massive knife. And, uh, you know, he, he, he and the thing, the gig was that, like, he had this massive knife. Part of it was retractable, the blade. But, it, you know, he whacked it down on my arm so it looked like he was sawing through my arm. And then there was kind of fake blood would come out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in, in what they call the box or the gallery, they were looking at me going, God, Sean's really, you know, pretending he's in pain there. Uh, <laughs> and Sean really was in pain there. Uh, and, uh, I, I, and it turned out like I had a massive cut in my arm. And I had to be brought up to Vincent's hospital anyway. Uh, and like, the thing I've never experienced is being with an A&E doctor who is laughing so much snot is coming out of his nose because he has to write down stabbed by a magician on the form. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, if, if you're listening, uh, you were telling me that was the greatest day of your career so far. Hopefully it's uh, it's got better than that. Uh, right, Dean, let's move on to our, our first beer or beers of the day. Yeah, so we've got the uh, first two beers. The first one is Trouble Brewing uh, Pumpkin Brew. So it's our pumpkin beer. Um, this is a style of beer. If you're in the US at this time of the year, the shelves in the off-licenses and bottle shops are heaving with pumpkin beers. It's, it's become a really popular thing. You can tell the time of the year uh, by it. Now, what you've got with this, this is it's a little bit unusual in uh, comparison to the American pumpkin style beers. A lot of the American beers are up around six, seven, eight percent, sometimes even higher. Mm. Uh, this one's four point five percent, so okay. it's more in, right. in line with what we're expecting in the Irish market. Um, but one of the things that they do with uh, p- pumpkin beers is that they model it on a pumpkin pie. And I am yet to find somebody in Ireland who has eaten pumpkin pie, but pumpkin pie is... Yeah, yeah, very few people. um, uh, I I have yet to meet somebody who's eaten pumpkin pie. But in America, it's it's a huge thing. And um, what you've got when you're tasting something, uh, aroma can trigger memories. So what they do with pumpkin beer is they put in nutmeg, cloves, cinnamon, ginger, uh, the types of spices that you would have in pumpkin pie. 
And then how it works is when people smell those spices, it reminds them of pumpkin pie and it uh, triggers memories that they have because they have tasted pumpkin pie. Yes. Uh, now, in general, uh, done a lovely job on this, 4.5%. Um, uh, pumpkin is a tricky ingredient to work with because it doesn't have a huge amount of flavour to it. Mm. Um, it's a, a very, oh. very light uh, flavour. Like if you think of other beers that have unusual ingredients, like if it's a, a creek or a, a framboise with raspberry or, or a cherry in it, um, they're strong flavoured fruits. Uh, pumpkin is quite um, not impactful in terms of, of, of the flavour. Um, but they've done a, a good job at 4.5%, getting the flavour of the pumpkin in there, balancing it out. That They've uh, got a, a selection of spices in there, nutmeg, clove and ginger. Yeah, the it is kind of, yeah. Now, yeah. I know we're not supposed to mention the C word yet, but it's kind of Christmassy <laughs> too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and, and uh, unusual. So uh, all of the beers today are um, Irish beers. Uh, so uh, Halloween's a Celtic festival, so I thought it'd be nice to have all Irish beers uh, on for it. Mm. But yeah, so that's the that's the first of the beers. Yeah. Do you want to taste the second one? As okay, we go? all right. Yep. Yes. Okay. So uh, second one uh, brewed by Black Donkey. Now uh, Richard and Black Donkey has been very innovative in, with his fermentations. He's done uh, Ooh, a yeah. number of farmhouse mm. ales. It is. Um, Something that's got popular with uh, home brewers and small brewers in the last five to ten years, they culture yeasts. Uh, so literally take a swab of yeast from the natural environment and then grow up that yeast to a scale where you can brew with it. Uh, so he's cultured the yeast from uh, the Onagot uh, cave and uh, that is the site of the original Sound Festival, reputedly, um, and then has brewed a range of beers with it. This one is Alta Underworld. He's used New World hops with it, so you've got really um, kind of a, a good variety of fruit flavours in there, tropical fruit flavours, um, some kind of uh, slightly acidic fruits, lime, lemon, uh, orange coming through, a peach and apricot. And what you've got is a, a combination of the uh, essential oils from the New World hops and then a certain amount of biotransformation where uh, those essential oils are converted into other fruit flavours in the fermentation. So you've got a whole range of uh, fermentation fruit flavours. Coupled with that, then you've got spice coming from the... Mm. Um, from the fermentation, sometimes you get uh, yeasts that are called puff yeasts. Uh, so they're, they're yeasts that develop what are called phenolic flavours. So things like uh, cinnamon, cloves, stuff like that. Uh, so it's got a whole range of that. A little bit of leathery in the background, which is kind of an unusual flavour. But mm. it kind of uh, serves to um, take the place of bitterness. Sometimes with, with uh, IPAs, you've got a lot of bitterness in there, balancing out the sweetness of the beer. With this, what you've got is a certain amount of spice, a limited amount of bitterness, and some really good fruit flavour incredibly complex beer yeah. each time you come back and taste it it gives you a different it's flavor. slightly different it's really yeah. delicious yeah. Though, Lovely beer actually they're different. both really nice yeah they're both yeah. really nice so that, that pumpkin one is very seasonal as you would say but very <laughs> subtle that it's like it doesn't smack you in the face but it's mm. very tasty Yvonne uh, says I make pumpkin pie every year so no <laughs> uh, 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 what did Esther think of the many saints of Newark or, or were, were you still in banana distress at that point <laughs> I, I have, you know what? I I haven't seen it, and I've never seen. Um, do I want to admit this on national radio? Okay, I'm, I'm doing it. I've never seen an episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> I never even like the opening episodes, or I mean, you know, you walk past Italian, you know, <laughs> people were shouting like, at each other. I'm aware of who they are and stuff because Owen watched every single, the hubby watched every mm. single one, but I never, yeah, I never watched it. So what what we did was got one of my colleagues. Um, to cover that right. film who is okay. a huge Sopranos fan because it just made sense I think 
everything has to work as a standalone. But I, I, I think from talking to Sopranos fans, you really need to see how that feeded into the series as a prequel, you know. Um, he didn't like it, I have to say, and he's a huge fan. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Now I have talked to people. Detractors. Yeah, I, 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 the, the few people I've talked to about it have said they liked it, uh, and were pleasantly surprised that it stood up by itself and uh, and uh, using uh, Gandalfini's son in the role. Bit risky, but it seemed to have paid off. Mm, that seemed to have been worked very well, as far as everyone's concerned. I think that that was a good piece of casting. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Phoebe says, and I imagine that's going to be a controversial one no matter what you say. Phoebe on Twitter says, pumpkin pie is actually made uh, usually from butternut squash. Canned pumpkin is the same and not from pumpkin as pumpkin is practically tasteless. Well, I think Dean said that in a far more diplomatic way. (laughs) Uh, Really just difficult to work with. (laughs) It can be moody (laughs) and slam doors. Uh, Esther, what uh, movie would you like to do first? Let's do Bleeding Deadly Cuts. Right, Deadly Cuts coming up after this. With the gang escalate, we're knocking down the shops. He knows everybody's trouble. What the hell do you think you're doing? Let her go! Let me! I'll be taking all I can. Have your money over here, you Murder! There was. But we left that off the menu the last time. Now, the chicken is served in a skewer, so we stab it through. I think we'll have just four vodkas. Thanks, Patsy. Right, that's uh, uh, deadly cuts there. I suppose the question in everybody's mind is if you're a criminal overlord, why do you want to go after a hairdresser's? Protection money. Right. Um, and, and you have to believe stuff, so you just have to go with the premise. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> he's, um, this is so broad and silly that it gets away with murder in that regard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, mm. It almost embraces it. I'm just... I'm just surprised, actually, that you were able to find a broadcastable clip because these girls, the filth that comes out of their mouths, like I was trying to find some of the funniest lines, but I'm not sure I'm able to say any of them on here. Mm. I'll just say maybe there's one put down that goes, take that rhymes with flea bag, Pippa's arse and hand it to her. Um, and there is another lengthy exchange where uh, a character... <laughs> People is, are rolling their eyes going, what? Rhymes with flea? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, dubs will know. Dubs, yeah, yeah. Nor- no. Working class dubs will know. Um, and then there is an, an, another scene where uh, there's a lengthy exchange where a woman describes a sexual encounter the night before as akin to um, riding a piebald pony in Fingless. Right. So that's the kind of humour you're going for here. Okay, uh, all there's right. Fart, there's fart jokes. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure if riding a piebald pony in Fingless is a good thing or a bad thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's descriptive, let's put it that Yes, way. okay, it, yeah. And it, there is another character, you know, this fart jokes is another character who has irritable bowel syndrome and uh, any time she gets nervous, uh, there's farting noises and it's just... <laughs> So mad. I felt like I was watching something from the 1990s. And I think that is the spirit of the film, though. That's what it's going for. Mm. Um, and I think it's it, you know, it's a first feature from a writer-director by the name Rachel Carey. Unsurprisingly, very early on in her career, before she got into advertising, worked as a receptionist in a Peter Marks hair salon in Swords in Dublin. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, so she... She has the rhythm of this language. She has the rhythm of the way these women speak and uh, the banter between them. And occasionally kind of went back to her own notes and went, is this a bit over the top? And then thought, 
no, I'm actually underestimating it. <laughs> so yeah. that was kind of her take, you know, and it revolves around, you know, I'm sure no accident that Angeline uh, Ball, who's a Melda Quirk, was the queen of put downs in the commitments, um, is a lead character here. She's Michelle. Uh, she's the owner of the small hair salon called Deadly Guts. Uh, and we're in a fictional working class Dublin suburb called Piglinstown. Uh, so her and her team are very close and they have all these stories about their escapades, as I said the night before. Um, but it's not all fun and mains, Sean. OK, of their course lives not. And, <laughs> their lives and the businesses around them are struggling um, at the hands of this character named Dino, who's played by Ian Lloyd Anderson, who is actually quite menacing here. The, he is a properly... There's a bit of darkness going on here and the threat he um, represents the community, I would say. Um, and he's this kind of tug who, whose gang, who are called the Buzzers, are controlling the area. That, so he's just one of these people who causes chaos wherever he goes, makes everyone miserable and a bit sad. Um, and has even exceed, you know, succeeded in extorting money from the businesses with, under the promise of protection. Everyone on the, in, on the road of businesses in this town, a little suburb, know what that means, you know. Um, so what happens? He takes on, he, he makes the mistake of taking on one of the young uh, uh, stylists. Um, there's three of them who are wonderful, by the way. I have to give them a shout out. Erica Rowe. Uh, Lauren Larkin and Shona Higgins, three up and coming working class actors cast in working class roles, which is how it should be, and absolutely acing it here in their delivery of these great uh, lines of dialogue. They are fantastic in the film, um, and I think we'll be seeing a lot more of the three of them. Uh, but they have dreams of entering this hairdressing contest uh, called uh, Hair, and Stacey's hopeful that will convince her mother to you know realize that she's a good enough stylist to come and work in her salon in Spain where she's living so you've all this kind of backstory stuff but Dino comes in one one day and threatens Chantel with a knife they fight back he ends up with a scissors in his neck uh and they're desperate to try and cover up what happens after that to the guards um unfortunately for Chantel who has irritable bowel syndrome she's the one who gets cross-examined first so you can imagine what happens in that scene um <laughs> so, so it's a hairdressing heist movie and it's really silly and funny and I really enjoyed it but then it kind of flips and turns into uh, a drama about this hairdressing competition and I was less involved in that to be honest um and I think I I, I hate criticizing something for what it's not Yes. So, you know, it is the film that the, the filmmakers wanted, but I was more involved in it as a heist hairdressing comedy. I thought there was more fun to be milked from that. Um, others will disagree with me because um, Angeline Ball has had a bad experience at the competition before and she was working in a posh salon and uh, she was in this competition before and her fierce rival, who was played by um, Victoria Smurfit, changed the formula in the um the salon product so that the model's hair fell out so these two are squaring up again mm. uh with the younger generation stylists at this competition uh and as i say you know the people love the, the face off it's very it's quite arch it's got almost strictly ballroom kind of vibe to it in the competition but i just i was enjoying the, the the hairdressing heist, to be honest with you, I wanted to see more cover-ups and more of that kind of humour there. Having said that, um, this isn't, an, you know, 
I found it uneven, but I found it, it's an enormous amount of fun. I think as a first feature, it definitely singles Rachel Carey as a filmmaker to watch out for, um, especially as a writer, I think. Um, the way she wrote the musicality of the Dublin working class wit and put downs ring really true here. Like they're perfect. Um, and I, I want to hear more. I'm hearing rumours that we might see her doing a Young Offenders and that we might get be getting um, a spin-off TV series of Deadly Cuts. But okay. for the meantime, this film, yeah, this film is its own animal. It's a complete story in its own right. And uh, I think I think it'll bring people out. Uh, I think there is an appetite for films like these. You know, they're part of the fabric of, our, our, of growing up, uh, films like um, The Commitments and, you know, the Barrytown trilogy. And I think there are films that people hold precious and really enjoy. And it's our storytelling and our humour, I think, um, and I'm surprised we kind of don't see more of it. We don't see mm. many straight up comedies coming out of Irish filmmakers at the moment. It's all kind of drama. It's drama. I I get it. Drama. You can explore more with drama and it's less risky because if comedy doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know. But yeah. I, I get that it's, it's a more difficult thing to pull off. But at the same time, it's strange that we... It's so so much part of our DNA that kind of put down and slagging that it's strange we don't see it on the big screen a bit more. I think. Yeah. Okay, but still though, fair juice to her, uh, and it sounds like that uh, that has a bit of legs. Uh, Peter says Absolutely. he used uh, says he used to eat pumpkin pie a lot when in California. Never could get it here. Just made pumpkin pie in Cork. What a coincidence! I've had pumpkin pie. It's delish. What you need to do is get an American friend who invites you over for Thanksgiving. Hello, Grace says his texter. Michael in Derry says I've had pumpkin pie as I've celebrated Thanksgiving with American friends and family, and also Italian pumpkin fritters. Uh, send some of that pumpkin beer this way, says Michael. No, you've had quite enough pumpkin as it is. Uh, and uh, in reaction to uh, 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 somebody on Twitter said that pumpkin pie isn't really uh, made with pumpkin. Uh, this text says pumpkin pie is not made with butternut squash or any other kind of squash, except watery, tasteless pumpkin squash, which is so spiced up with cinnamon, clove, allspice, etc., that those flavours permeate the whole pie. Then what's the point of using it? I ought to know I'm Canadian. And my American cousins will testify to the same. Uh, I ought to know I'm Canadian isn't a phrase I thought I'd be using today, but we'll, uh, we'll definitely take your word for it. Now, I continue with the theme of uh, uh, flogging stuff to death. There's gonna, the Game of Thrones prequel. What's the news on that? We got our first teaser. I'm sure most people have seen it online if they're interested. Um, the series is called House of the Dragon. Um, it was announced two years ago and it's based on George R. R. Martin's book Fire and Blood. Um, and it's set two centuries before the events of A Song of Ice and Fire, which was what Game of Thrones was based on. Uh, in terms of cast, we have Matt Smith, who is very unnerving in this. He's like one of the Targaryens. He's a mad blonde. Like I was, okay. I got I got a fright when I saw him in the trailer. I was like, what is he doing here? Anyway, he'll probably be very good. Um, Paddy Considine, uh, Emma Darcy. And it basically, uh, for anyone who hasn't read the books, which is understandable because they're very long, um, the show follows the reign of the Targaryen family, which is Daenerys uh, Targaryen's ancestors, mm. um, and kind of shows like the stuff before, obviously everyone went mad and people were going, going for the throne and everything so yeah. again I feel like this is only for Game of Thrones fans and even at that I'm not even sure if they'll care because we all know how Game of Thrones ended not well so no indeed not Will it, are there any indications as to whether they may have changed their approach in terms of how can I put this the rapiness in Game of Thrones Um, we only got a minute teaser so yeah. no I don't they haven't made think any so because it was like for the first three or four series this feels like oh a female actor 
four nude scenes yeah. for you. Uh, mm. And then we might have a penis later on at some yeah. point. But, you know, it's... Woman, it's close off. Close off, yeah, um, immediately. I don't know. I feel like they, they might stick to the formula because I know there's a majority yeah. of fans that enjoy enjoyed that aspect of the show. So, okay, so boys then with yeah. your girlfriends. <laughs> uh, right, okay. So, uh, shock news. Uh, the film adaptation of Cats was by everybody including Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, he did an interview with uh, Variety this week which is very funny. Like there's just some choice quotes and he's just, it, it was to talk about Broadway reopening and everything, blah, blah, blah. But he basically said that he hated the big screen adaption of Cats so much that it made him want to go out and buy a dog. And he did buy a dog because he was just, he said it was, he described it as off the scale all wrong. There wasn't really any understanding of why the music ticked at all. I saw it and I just thought, oh God, no. It was the first time in my 70 odd years on this planet that I went out and bought a dog. So he has this little Havanese puppy now. He brings it everywhere. He made a joke. And I'm hoping this is a joke because it's just, it's rich people being rich otherwise. But he basically said that it kind of, tra- cats the big screen adaptation traumatised him so much that he's able to bring the dog everywhere now as a therapy dog and that's why like he apparently said it to the airline and the airline were like haha no doctor's report required which is like just shut up Andrew oh, like, Webber, you know? like yeah. it's like people need those dogs you know like that's not let's not but anyway he he there was a couple of other things he talked about as well um, he did praise Madonna in Evita and basically said that she was the only one who ever kind of did anything for that role he said to this day I don't think anyone else could have done it better so Good on you, Madge. You did it. Okay, fair enough. But I assume that when they made the film version of Cats, they like gave Andrew Lloyd Webber money. But this is but this is the thing. Yeah. Like it's all well about he, he saw the fine lady before, and I don't know. I'm just like again, I don't know. It's just yeah. rich people doing things, rich people talking, like yeah. the, the usual. The hashtag is masticating movies, things to do with dentures and some bread, uh, being one rather excellent example of that. You are listening to the Moncrief Show and News Talk. More movies, more beer to talk about after this. 53106 is our text number that will cost you uh, 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, the hashtag is masticating movies, uh, a chew good men or lord of the fillings uh, being two uh, suggestions. Uh, any openings date for Old Henry in the cinema's trailers on YouTube for the last few weeks? Esther, Old Henry? Oh, gosh. I'm getting caught left, right and centre this yeah. week. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not familiar with that title. Okay. No? No, yeah, no, no, no one's heard of that one. Uh, so uh, that person is probably just drunk uh, and it's a completely different movie uh, <laughs> drunk altogether. Drunk on pumpkins. Uh, drunk on pumpkins, that's what it is. Uh, should we, we'll, we'll, we'll do our second uh, uh, movie with Esther anyway. This is uh, No Sudden Move. Here's a clip. in an office to pick something up. You are part of a babysitting team watching his family while he does it. Everything is normal. Except... What do you want? Is that something you'd say? Normal Monday? Thank you. Set up, man. God called me, offering me $10,000 to turn you in. 15 for the white guy. Think you're the only one that can make a move? I can make a move, too. Hey, oh, that's no sudden move. Sounds exactly the same as as Deadly Cuts, really. To be honest with Jester. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in its own way. Yeah, if um, if uh, Stephen Zellerberg was to direct a, a, a heist comedy uh, in Dublin, it might look quite like Deadly Cuts. Uh, yeah, this is great. Actually, just as an aside, I was counting the ways I love Stephen Soderbergh there earlier and I never mentioned Out of Sight, which is my favourite of oh, all yeah. his films. Yeah. And hands down, 
the sexiest movie that has ever been made. Yeah. And I'll die on that hill. There is, there is nothing better than a couple of scenes in that film with George Clooney and J-Lo. Who Not like having J-Lo in the booty or cars. It sounds totally dodged, <laughs> but yes, I know what you're saying. Oh man, that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it might have aged well, but it was, gosh, I'll never forget it. Um, so this is... Uh, yeah, he loves a heist, as I say. It's it's something he frequently revisits. I love his low-level heists. Um, for all the glamour and gloss of oceans, uh, I love his low-level heists. And this is one of those um, with an A-list cast, though. We have Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, John Hamm, and David Harbour here. Um, and it's set in... It's really interesting, the context it's set in. It's in, it's in 1951. We're in Detroit. So the cars are fabulous. Um, and it's kind of a, this wickedly funny and clever tale that feeds all the way up into General Motors uh, and the industry and a whole, he's got a whole backstory about the catalytic converter and he's managed to turn that into a thriller. Um, so it's kind of all about double crossing. Uh, the basic setup, I think you definitely want to go into this knowing as little as possible because you're getting played um, as an audience. Uh, but let's just say... The setup involves uh, two career criminals, Don Cheadle, brilliant as Kurt, and um, Benicio Del Toro as Ronald. They're hired to uh, babysit, in inverted commas, the family of a guy called Matt Wirtz, uh, who is an accountant in General Motors. Um, they've been hired to babysit the family by a group of gangsters who want to uh, intimidate him into going to the office, getting his hands on this mysterious uh, document that's locked securely in his boss's safe. So that's the plan. Um, it'll only be three hours, he said. You'll be in and out. You'll get a load of money. It'll be very straightforward. Mm. But sure, then we'd have no film, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not straightforward. Things begin to unravel very badly. Um, Kurt and Ronald start to suspect they've been double-crossed and make a few really interesting decisions, including, this comes early in the film, it's not a huge reveal, um, they decide to kind of not do what the bosses want them to to do to the family but that is obviously a huge risk to themselves then because you have evil witnesses um and both men we also discover have had these messy run-ins in their past which makes their situation more complicated it's a beautiful looking film it rattles along to a uh, uh, David Holmes soundtrack of course he's collaborated on loads and loads of Steven Soderbergh films um and there's something slightly refreshing about it as well because there's this nourish vibe to it throughout and that it really feeds into period in that regard but you know with noir as a genre sometimes it can almost be parodying itself mm. you know you know some of the lines of dialogue can be too much like a tall broad walked past my office i knew she was tall because i was on the second floor yeah you know, those kind of silly <laughs> they always end up mocking That's themselves dead men don't wear a plaid i'm pretty sure you've quoted from there <laughs> I stole it from somewhere, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's something refreshing. So Soderbergh brings a slightly modern tone. So you get all the beauty of, of the noir and the mood piece of the noir, um, but there's a slightly more modern approach to the tone. So you you get, you don't get that kind of cliche yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, helped by a script written by Ed Solomon, a really smart screen, screenplay. Um, avoids cliche that you kind of get tend to get in those films and I just I really loved it it gets very dense um, in the second hour in terms of the storytelling you'd really want to pay attention 
Um, I was on board, as I say, I'm a fan, but even I felt a little bit confused at the amount of characters being referenced and backtracking that was going on. I think there was a little bit too much of it there. It was a little bit of a distraction, but it does build into a very nice kind of message right. about the times and, and the state of the world. Where can, world this, be, where can this be watched, Esther? It's on, there it is, sitting on your telly box from right. tomorrow. Grand uh, stuff. It's in Sky Cinema. Yeah. And uh, you can get it on Now TV as well if you use All it. All right. Great, uh, great stuff. Now, uh, I, I was kind of saving talking about the the the, uh, the, the porter that we're going to be talking Is this a porter or a stout? A tropical stout. It's a tropical stout because uh, letting Fanula knock it back, really, because she, <laughs> she's a, uh, she's a tropical nice. stout girl, as it turns out. Uh, uh, so what is a tropical stout? So tropical stout, originally, um, the, the, the most famous of the tropical stouts that were developed was brewed by Lion Brewery in Sri Lanka. And it's a beer that um, it was one of uh, Michael Jackson, the beer hunter, not Michael Jackson, the singer, yeah. uh, Michael Jackson, the beer hunter. It was one of the, the beers that he raved about uh, when he was reviewing beers. Now, this is brewed to that style, but it's brewed as a beer with an additional ingredient, because as we all know, coconut is integral to Halloween. You can't have Halloween without coconut. Uh, so we've got a coconut beer here with uh coconut built into tropical stout. You get beautiful coffee flavours, chocolate flavours, cappuccino, espresso, roast coffee beans, uh, plain chocolate, milk chocolate, uh, a little bit of um, rose petal flavour, which is really unusual behind all of those other flavours, which gives you kind of a Turkish delight vibe, and then a definite undertone of toasted coconut. Done a really good job. It's from Larkins Brewery in County Wicklow, and it's under their Curious Society brand, so it's called Curious Society Cocoa. And uh, done a very nice job. Now. Okay, it's very. And, and what's the ABV again? Eight percent. Eight percent. So it's not. Every, it, it's, so it it's, can snake up in you. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, again, the the alcohol is incredibly smooth in it. Like it's a rich flavored beer. You know that there's a lot of flavor in it, um, but the alcohol kind of builds the flavor as opposed to being something that stands out. Uh, uh, no, out. absolutely, and that's. Mm. That's the dangerous thing. It doesn't taste like 8% at yeah. all. It tastes yeah, like, you know, your 4.5%. Yeah, and really. there's, there's some caramel toffee coming through as well, mm. burnt sugars. It is really a complex beer and it's, it's yeah. an absolutely lovely yeah, one. Yeah, all of those, actually, yeah. everything you brought in today is stuff you'd drink in front of a, a, a roaring fire. Uh, nice. yeah. While weeping tears about the damage you're doing to the environment. Uh, lighting, <laughs> uh, that lighting, that fire. Now, because I know this is going to drive people mad uh, about Squid Game because it seems as if there's a kind. There's a very divided opinion about Squid Game. Some people are are finding it mesmeric. Some people are going, "This is this program's borderline obscene." But there's a strong, uh, the strong possibility it's going to win a load of Emmys. Yeah, potentially. So there was an issue around because obviously it's a Korean drama. For anyone who hasn't watched it, it's on Netflix. I doubt there's or I doubt there's anyone listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about now. But it's like this based on this like fake reality show or in Korea. Um, and they're all competing for this mad prize money. But the challenges they have to do with kind of Battle Royale style, it's, I don't want to give too much away, but like people could die basically, but people are willing to do whatever it mm. takes to win this money. Um, but because it's a Korean drama, um, they weren't sure whether it was eligible for the primetime Emmys, which is like the Emmys as the normie folk would know it. There is a, an international Emmys, but because it's a Netflix series and it's because they distributed it, uh, they distributed it and they are potentially could be up for stuff so they're eligible I'd imagine they'll be submitted at the rate people are talking about it and the particular performances with some of the actors like I wouldn't be surprised if we see this sweeping the board on the other hand as you said it is very divisive in terms of even genre and Mm. 
like it's gory you know what I mean it's not like well, what we see for best exploding head go to <laughs> it's um, that isn't usually that isn't often rewarded at these kind of awards like yeah. I, you've seen it with kind of Game of Thrones and stuff but like this isn't even this goes so much further oh, yeah, have absolutely. you watched it no I haven't no I'm just I'm actually too scared uh, that's our lot for today Fanula Esther Dean thank you all very much uh... Movies and Booze on Moncrief brought to you by Lidl's award winning wine range Lidl more for you enjoy alcohol sensibly visit drinkaware.ie